0: Well, turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our study. We're looking really at selected passages from the life of Peter. We're saying at the sayings of Peter. We're looking at the context. We're near the end. I mean, we're seeing Peter's great message on the day of Pentecost. Really incredible. that He stands up before thousands of Jewish people and gives out his message. Well, this morning, we're going to stop for a little bit because we're going to look at the message, and we ended last week with the part about him saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you. How does that fit? How does it work together? Because he says this, repent and be baptized. What does he mean? Why would he tell the Jews to do this? Because in the salvation message, believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Why does he tell them this? And we'll see how that fits together. So it should be sort of fun. Well, look at this. The Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer asked the greatest question of all. What was it? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's the question. What is the answer? Well, here's what people say. Repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, be baptized, ask Jesus into your heart, make a public profession. Those are all things that people say that are not accurate at all. What does Paul say? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. It is not by works. It's not what we do. It is uh, our faith. Salvation is a gift, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave that whoever believes. And so the Bible has it all over the place that it's always faith alone. Look at this. And so Paul says, yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. Watch, as an example, Paul says, I'm an example of those who believe in Jesus for eternal life. What do we believe in Jesus for? Eternal life. That's what his offer is. He says, whoever believes in me will never perish, but have everlasting life. Well, when Peter is standing up on the day of Pentecost, and he's proclaiming the message of Jesus, how he died and rose again, and that Jesus is the Messiah, it's kind of strange that he says to them, repent and be baptized. So what does that mean? And though we've seen historically, all, all Church of Christ people have come in and they've taken Acts 2.38 and said, everybody's got to be baptized or you're not saved, and they mean water baptism. And so how does it fit? What does all this mean? How does it fit together? Well, we've seen Peter who denied Christ and, God come, and Jesus comes back and says, you love me, tend my sheep, and so on the day of Pentecost... Peter stands before thousands of Jewish people and proclaims the truth about Christ. And uh, we, I, I think we had the outline. Yeah, here's that outline. And he gave an introduction. He talked about the fulfilled prophecy. He talked about the death and resurrection of Christ. He quoted from Psalm 16 saying that uh, the Messiah would not stay dead. He says the prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who died and rose again. He's the one that fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. And so that's who he is. And then the response, and that's where we ended last week. And so, just to remind you, he started off by saying all of this is a fulfillment of Joel. It's a partial fulfillment. It's the near fulfillment. Jesus' death and resurrection, he talked about that. He talked about the gospel. He quoted 16, showing the Old Testament Christ would rise again. And then in Acts 2.36, he says this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel, and he's talking to Jews... Know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, what he actually tells those Jewish people is, you killed the Messiah. The Messiah is the one promised in the Old Testament who would come and die and rise again, pay for sin, be the Savior of the world, and you are the ones that put him to death. You are the ones, by rejecting him, had him die. Of course, it was God's plan, and he's come back from the dead. And so I want you to understand, he says, you have crucified him, both Lord and Christ. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Now, what we're going to see is what, is what happened. We're going to see the response. What is, how did they respond to Peter's message? And then what Peter tells them to do. And to be honest with you, it's it's weird there, and it's hard. It's not easy, and I'm going to tell you two ways to look at the passage. Actually, there's three ways to look at the passage. One of them, of course, it doesn't fit the Scripture at all. The other two do fit the Scripture, and we're going to see it. And then we're going to take, real briefly this morning, we're going to take a quick look at baptism, because it is confusing for a lot of people. Uh, I know some people that actually believe that when you get baptized, that's when you get saved. I know some people who believe that when you baptize an infant, that somehow they're saved, they're, they're in what's called the covenant of faith. By baptizing a baby, you've put them where they're saved. And then later on, they've got to decide or something. I've had people tell me that. I've also had people tell me that when you go and you get dunked in the water and come back up, that's when you're saved. And so a lot of people go to this passage to try to say that. We know that in Acts uh, Two thirty-eight and and uh, uh, Mark sixteen sixteen and in Peter there are three passages that are weird because it talks about baptism. Some people, in fact, the Peter passage is not even talking about water baptism, and so that's where they get confused. And Mark sixteen, it's it's easy to explain that one. This one is a little harder because what is Peter telling these Jewish people? And we'll see it. So let's start with the response. Lacks 237, what does it say? When they heard this, what did they hear? That they crucified who? The Messiah. They had crucified the one that was their Savior. That's what it says. When they heard this, what happened? They were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, Brethren, what should we do? So they were cut to the heart. They, they The message affected them. They wanted to know what to do. And so Peter actually says in verse 38, and look what he says, repent and be baptized. What? So let's stop and think for a second. What do you think Peter, what were you expecting Peter to say to them? Believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, but he didn't say that to them. wonder why. Well, there are two views, and we're going to see it. And of course he says repent and be baptized and, and says uh, here's here's the first view. The first view is this. And I'm just tell, let, let me tell you, there's a view that we all reject. And the view is you have to be baptized you have to repent, they say, turn from your sin, get baptized, and you'll be saved. We reject that view. Why? First of all, repent doesn't mean turn from sin. It means change your mind. Second is, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. For by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves. It's the what? Gift of God. It never talks about being baptized to be saved and that sort of thing. So we reject the view that says, turn from sin and get baptized and that saves you. So we know that's not right. So what is, why is, what is he telling them? Why didn't he just say, believe in Jesus Christ and you're saved? Well, the first view is this. That cut to the heart means they already believed. That when they saw it and they recognized it, they went, Oh my gosh, Jesus is my Savior. He's the one. I, we crucified the Messiah. We, I, I, and so the first view is they've already believed in him. So when, they say, when it says they were cut to the heart and they ask him, What do we do? What do we do now that we now believe about the Messiah and we're the ones that killed him? What are we supposed to do? So then Peter says, repent, basically change your mind about what all has been going on. Let each of you get baptized to identify with Jesus Christ, and you'll get, and we'll talk about it in a minute, this repenting, this change in your mind deals with forgiveness of sin, and he's talking about forgiveness as a believer, okay? Now follow me, this is a little bit hard, and so he's telling believers He didn't say believe in Christ for eternal life because they already have. Because he says they were cut to the heart. What do we do? He says, well, change your mind uh, and and, and change your mind and you'll receive the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit and get baptized to identify with your Savior. That's the first view. I, I used to not take that view. And now the more I study it, that's the view I take. I think they already believed. He told them, now that you believed, you need to change your mind about your rejection, all of this stuff about what you believed about Christ. You need to, and I think he's using repent there as almost the idea of believing in him or that seeing what he said is true. And so get baptized and you get the Holy Spirit. Let me understand something. Every time in the New Testament, especially in the first year, first couple of years, first three, four, five years of the book of Acts, not every believer got the Holy Spirit the moment they believed. That's later on. They don't get the Holy Spirit when they believe until He says, Look, "Get the forgiveness of sin, deal with your you know, get the forgiveness of sin, deal with your sin." You'll get the Holy Spirit, and then He says, "Be baptized." Why? Why would they be baptized? Because they've what believed in Him already. Okay, so that's a view, and it's it's not a shaky view because you, if you just according to what do you think it means they were cut to the heart. There's a second view. This is the one I held to for a long time. And the second view is repent and baptize, be baptized doesn't even go together. Because a lot of people say you have to change, you have to turn from sin and get baptized in your sight. Well, first of all, in the original language, repent and be baptized do not even go together. Literally, it says, you all, plural, repent. You all change your mind. And then it goes on in the Greek and says, you change your mind, plural, all of you, for the forgiveness of you all sins and you give the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this view says to Repent is the same idea as now changing your mind about who the Messiah is, believing in him. And when you believe in him, you all, when you believe in him, you all will get the forgiveness of your sins and the Holy Spirit. That's a view. Second, it goes on to say, and then he says, let each one of you be baptized. So let me explain something to you. In the Greek language, everything has to match. And in this passage, he literally says, you all repent you all for forgiveness of you all sins, and you all get the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and let each one, singular, get baptized. So they don't go together. So whatever, repenting, getting the Holy Spirit, and all of that, that's one thing. And being baptized is another thing. Okay, does that make sense? I just want you to see it. So the repent and forgiveness is plural for all. Being baptized is singular, so they don't go together. So literally, repent, change your mind, it's plural. He wanted them to change their minds concerning Jesus Christ, see him as the Messiah who died and rose again. The idea there is believe in him, and when they do, they'll be baptized as to do with their public identification, and that's each individual one. So he says, you all as a group need to, and we're going to say it this way, believe so you can get forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit and then let each one of you individually get baptized. That's the second view. That's the view that I held to for a long time because it actually fits the Scripture. It fits everything really well. The only, the only negative is uh, you would think that uh, Peter might say it more clear than repent Because he's using, change your mind there, as most people would say. Charles Ryrie takes this view and says, repent there means to believe. He's saying, he says, believe and you get the Holy Spirit and forgiveness of sin. That's for all of you. And then each one of you needs to be baptized. Now, why would they be baptized? Because they've what? They believed, and they're identifying with Christ. So that's the three, the three views. One is, turn away from sin and get baptized. That saves you. We reject that because the Bible doesn't teach that at all. The second view, or the, the first real view that we hold to is, they've already believed, and so he tells them, change their mind and, and get the fig of sins, get the Holy Spirit, and then get baptized because you're already believers. The third view is uh, the repentance is the same as believing, and when they believe, they get the Holy Spirit, they get forgiveness of sins, and then each one of them individually is to be baptized. Okay, let's stop for a second. Is there any questions about that? It's a, it's a hard passage. And, and, and we, we, when we, if we do hard passages, we, since we've done it, we might not do it in there, but we always do it. Yes? That third one, that third one, uh, option used to, I think that's when you said it's Ryrie's. I think, I think it's Ryrie's. Is that right? Have you got Ryrie's Bible there? Is that what he says? Okay. But, I mean, I Ryrie, I, what Ryrie taught at Dallas Seminary for years and years, I think he was the greatest theologian of the 20th century. Uh, and he, uh, he's just amazing. And he, he sometimes, there's some notes in his Ryrie Study Bible that we'd go, are we sure Ryrie wrote that? Because that doesn't sound like him at all. But this one, he just takes the view that to repent there is the same as believe. He's saying they're interchangeably. Uh, change your mind is what repent means. So, if you change your mind and you had not believed in Christ, but now you've changed your mind and you do believe in Christ, that's how it could be used. Yes? Um, When Peter's talking about repentance in this scripture, is he talking about repentance just as change your mind, or is he also talking about change your ways. Okay, the word "the word repent" does not mean change your ways. It means change your mind. Oftentimes, when people change their mind, they change their ways. They they change what they're doing because if they change their mind, it's the old idea that I was going to hear. And I went, mm, I'm not going to go there." And so I changed what I was doing because I changed my mind. But a lot of people want the word repent to mean get a different lifestyle, change your life. That would be works. And and, and if you're going to take repentance and believing as the same aspect, and and it's really not. Uh, I used to actually teach and, and say that when you repent, that's the same as believing because if you change your mind, you're now believing. But it, it, it's confusing because that's not always true in Scripture. So that this, this, it's a, this is a tough passage. I wanted to go over it. I wanted you to see it. Uh, But it's not easy. I actually think the best view is they believe already. And so he tells them to change their mind about... about, See, you got to remember, he's talking to who on this day? Just the Israelites. He's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to the Jewish people. Do you know later on in this message, he actually tells them, if they as a nation will turn to God, Jesus will come back right then. Now, is there going to be a time that the nation of Israel turns to God? When is that going to be? In the tribulation. What happens when the nation of Israel comes to God in the tribulation? Jesus Christ comes back. You understand, when the nation of Israel as a whole believes in Jesus as Messiah, Jesus comes back. Peter says that on the day of Pentecost. He actually says, hey, if you guys will all believe, guess what? Jesus is going to come back. He calls it the time of refreshing. So, there's a lot there. Okay, anything else? Yeah. Oh, oh good. You You had your allotment. I no, I know. I know. Okay. So, yeah. So the repent, so we're, we're, we're thinking, you're thinking that that's more of a fellowship. I think, yeah, the repentance there is they've already believed. Now they need to look around and see, yeah, almost like a fellowship aspect of what have I done? What, what have we been doing? How, what have I been saying about him? What have I been doing? And then he says, you get forgiveness of sins. I think that's Christian life forgiveness. And then he says, you get the Holy Spirit. And somebody could say, well, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they can't be saved. Listen, in the first century, a lot of people didn't get the Holy Spirit when they saved. You remember when the, Jew, when the people in Samaria believed? They all believed. And Peter had to go up there and lay hands on them. And then they got the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so, so the bottom line is it, it's a transition book. that The book of Acts is a transition time. So things didn't all exactly the same way. You're going to find a place in the book of Acts where Paul goes to Ephesus and he finds 12 men who are believers and they believed been taught by John the Baptist and they are believers but they've never even heard of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. And he tells them that John was talking about Jesus. And the moment they believe in Jesus, they get the Holy Spirit. They were believers for 20 years without the Holy Spirit because they hadn't understood that it was faith in Christ. So I just want you to understand the book of Acts is a transition book. So it's possible these people believe. Uh, he says you get forgiveness of sins and, and then you get the Holy Spirit. And they did and then they were to be baptized, and we're going to see that in the book, in Acts chapter two, three thousand people were what baptized, and that's afterwards. That's not to be saved. That's because they are saved. Are uh, we through? <laughs> when we do hard passages, they're all like this. Just Hebrews ten, Hebrews six, James two, all of those passages are hard because people have taught forever that you do good works to be saved. And so they see a book, like Hebrews chapter 6, that basically says if you fall away, you can't be saved again. That's what they teach. If you fall away from God, you could never be saved again. James chapter 2 says you have to do good works or you're not saved. And, but they're not saying that. But that's how people take them. And there are people who take Acts 2.38 and say, you have to turn away from your sin and get water baptized in order to be saved. And that's wrong. Now, the other two interpretations, you may find a different one. You may study this on your own, and you say, what? I found another way to take this, and, and that's okay with me. If you can find another one, I'd be glad to talk about that one, too. I think these are the two main ones. Ryrie holds to the second one, and I used to hold to the second one, and I think I, I'm leaning more toward the first one right now. Okay. Anything else? Okay, with the time left, let's do this. Let's talk about baptism real quickly because that is a confusing thing. What is baptism? Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to dip or to identify. It actually means it was used like if you had a piece of cloth, white cloth, red dye, dipped it down in there, brought it back up. It's now red. It is now identified with that. So baptism means to identify. And every time you see in the scripture the word baptism, don't assume water. In fact, most of the time it's not water baptism. Most of the time it's some other identification okay the second one of the types of baptism there's real baptism and ritual baptism real baptism is the Holy Spirit is not water it is what God does it is when the moment, the moment we actually believe in Christ for eternal life, for us, God baptizes us. That means places us in union, identifies us in Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Okay, that's, that's uh, real baptism. There's a ritual baptism, which is water, and it is symbolic. Did you know in the Old Testament, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to come under the law of Israel, come under Judaism, come under the God of Israel... You could give a sacrifice, go through what was called a mikvah, which was like a baptism. You got down into water and came back up. And then if you're a man and you really wanted to go all the way, you got circumcised. And if you didn't, you'd say, I'm not going that far, okay? And that's what a Gentile in the Old Testament do. But there was a baptism part in there. John the Baptist came to, what was he doing? Baptizing. What was he baptizing people for? For them to identify with what? jesus christ that the king was here they said the messiah is on the earth that's what the why did jesus get baptized because it doesn't have anything to do with salvation does it so why did jesus get baptized to identify with fallen mankind he's come to die for us to be to be the sacrifice for the you know and so then why do christians why do we get baptized Because we believe in Christ, and we understand that when we believe in Christ, we died and rose again with him to a new life. That's our identification. So water baptism is we get out in front of people, and we go down and up, and we say, we died and rose again with Christ. It's a symbol. So baptism always has an idea of some kind of identification. Ritual baptisms are always symbolic. Why be baptized? Believers would be baptized to show others our identification with jesus christ wow we find that believers will be baptized that's that's the bottom line jesus said go ye therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit and then teaching them so we have this whole idea of evangelism and training but what does he tell us to do when somebody believes in christ and is now in the body of christ what does he tell them to do Get baptized. It has nothing to do with salvation. It's a testimony. I've had people say, well, you should have an altar call so that people can walk down to the front and show everybody they're saved. I said, baptism is how you're supposed to show everybody you're saved. That's your public identification with Christ. So just remember that. And we do baptism. We get the big tank out there. Everybody gathers around. We say, these people have believed in Christ, and they want you to see it and know it. And we we do it. That's what we do. Okay. Um, Does baptism have anything to do with salvation? What's the answer? No. No, We know it doesn't. We know it doesn't. There are people who think it does, and they try to quote verses like Acts 2.38 and Mark 16.16, but in reality, Acts 2.38 doesn't fit. The language can't fit what they're saying. Just remember that. Sometimes you can go back to the language, and you can tell something. And sometimes you can't, but a lot of times you can. And but then sometimes you can just look how verses connect. Okay, so does baptism have anything to do with salvation? We'd say no. Look at these verses: Galatians two sixteen. No one a man's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you've been saved through faith, John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes, Galatians 3, 26, you're all sons of God by faith, so the Bible is true everywhere, that it's faith alone in Christ alone, let me just say one thing about it too, I've had people say that, that it's, got, it's baptism, and this, and this, and this, and this, and I say, well, when Jesus told Nicodemus, what did he tell him? God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would, what? Believe. And they say, well, Jesus didn't tell him enough. Really? So Jesus didn't tell him enough? Right? So is salvation by faith? It is. It is. Well, then here's the big question. Does baptism have a part in salvation? And if we're talking about eternal life salvation, the answer is no. So let's talk about something. Just let me show you something that would help you, especially if you're dealing with someone who says... You must be baptized in water in order to be saved. Well, start with this. What is the gospel message? 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I make known to you the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. What is the gospel message? Death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what's the response to it? Believe. Their response is to believe and what? Be baptized. Okay, now, Paul says this. I'm not ashamed of the what? What's the gospel? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God resulting in what? Salvation to everyone who does what? Believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, they would say, well, it's believing and then being baptized. Look at first verse. Is baptism part of the gospel? No. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 1.17. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The gospel is what saves. Not in the cleverness of peace of the cross, Christ would not be made void. Baptism is not part of the gospel. And when a person tells you you have to be baptized to be saved, tell them that the gospel is the power of God and salvation to all who believe, and baptism is not a part of the gospel. Paul says, Christ didn't send me to baptize people. He sent me to give them the gospel message. They're two different things. Does that help any? Because you're going to find people that will tell you that you have to. To be baptized, to be saved, and it's not true. That's a work. Plus, Paul says he did. If 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 baptism would save, then Paul would say he sent me to baptize people. No, he said no. He didn't send me to baptize people. He sent me to preach the gospel because that is what saves. Water baptism is a ritual. It is a picture of the believer's death and resurrection with Christ. It shows their testimony that they have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior for eternal life. So that's the key. Now, so this is a hard passage. When we see uh, repent and be baptized, I gave you three views. One of them is out. We know that that can't be true. The other two, you just have to look at it and see how you think it fits. And so here's the the or the applications, and then when you get into your grow group, you can raise more questions, talk more about it, uh, try, to, try to figure it out, whatever you think. It's just, it's a hard passage. I think, I think both one and two, the one Ryrie is number two, and the other number one, I, I think either one of those match the scripture and match, match it good. Uh, definitely, the repentant and baptized do not go together. They can't match. They can't match. So, it can't be a repentant and be baptized to be saved. May we know the good news message. What's the message? Jesus died and rose again. What's the response? To believe, and what's the offer? Is eternal life. It's that simple. You, you have to know this. I've got a group of guys we meet on Friday morning. Every Friday morning I get in, I go, okay, what's the gospel? They have to write it. We have to write it out. I want them to know it so well that they don't even have to think about it. It's the death and resurrection of Christ, and whoever believes will never perish but have eternal life. If you just know John three sixteen, you got it right there. Second, let's understand baptism, what it is, Okay? Real baptism by the Holy Spirit places in Christ. Uh, Ritual baptism is a testimony that we have believed in Christ for eternal life. That's what it is. And ritual baptism is not for salvation because it's not part of the gospel. What does the gospel do? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Yeah. So the gospel is what saves, not baptism, because baptism is not part of it. The third one is let's realize forgiveness of sin comes by faith. What did he tell those people? What did he tell the Jews? You can get forgiveness of sin. And there's two aspects of it. You get forgiveness of sin when you believe for eternal life, but you also get forgiveness of sin when you confess it as a believer. And they all tie together.